Hello, everyone. Hello. And welcome to episode 81 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. And Dan, tell everybody what we will be breaking down today. So this week, we figured we'd go with something like, uh, you know, some more of our more of our deep cuts, our weird little intricacies. A little more zany. A little, <laughs> there's some zane. Yeah, a little um, zane. There's a little zane here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, something a little more interesting, a little more... Uh, if you would like music nerdy, a little more of a of a pull of an interesting selection. So this week we're breaking down our ten favorite songs with unusual instruments. Now some of these are absolutely crazy, ridiculous instruments that you've never even seen or heard of, and then I think some of them are also just instruments that are like these don't belong in sort of mainstream music use. Right. That like sure, you know what I mean, like. Like when you hear some songs, you're like, sure, like they have this in them, but like mm-hmm. normal, like, you know, songs of the genre that chose or something like that, like this instrument is not involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, we also didn't pick anything that was like specifically from another region on earth where like, that's just, that's their music. Like mm-hmm. that's what they always, yeah, everybody like, uses yeah, it like there. I'm not, I'm not picking a Chinese orchestra and then going like, oh, it's this weird like instrument with strings that you play with a hammer. It's like. That that's not weird. Like that's yeah, that's normal to them. Every, yeah, that style of music uses that every single time. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, I, I tried to come up with a couple different parameters here because as always, these are tough to narrow down. Um, and I wanted to go with like, how frequently is it used? How prominent is it in the song? Yes. Um, you know, different things like that, just to kind of find like if it's just there and you don't know it and you can't really tell it's there, yeah. then it's not really... It's fun. It's a fun fact, yeah. but yeah. it's not so really like... We don't have songs from Pet Sounds here. Exactly. It's just yeah. like, oh, there's goats in the... And you're like, that's not... Yeah. It's not a predominant feature of the song. Right. You don't listen to the song and go, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like um, one of my B-sides, Drain You, um, they were just like hitting random things during the bridge. Yeah. Like, like rubber ducks and other shit. But like, it's just the bridge. Like, it's just... It's just noise in the bridge. It's not like it has like a structured sound that yeah. they created from it and turned it into. No like, one's sitting there with a melodica playing like yeah the main riff of the song in the bridge. Where right. You're like, wow, this is really weird. <laughs> like, what an odd choice. Yeah. So stuff like that didn't make the cut. So we we tried tried to create some parameters to make it e- one easier to narrow the list down, but then also two to make the ones we did choose stand out a little bit more. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit of the thought process behind this one. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, of B sides, like I just said, Dan, what uh, what ones do you have for us this week? So B sides for me, um, I have a few. One is uh, Radiohead's "How to Disappear Completely," where they use this really weird instrument called a martinots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of an early sort of synth keyboard. Yeah. Um, it's really that's why I had it B sides because I was like. It's really just like a primitive synth. synth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, it's not like, it'd be like, oh, and they're playing this thing that's like a proto guitar. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like they, like that's, yeah. that's just a guitar that's older. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not as interesting. Yeah. And they like, to be fair, and, and we were talking about this off air, like I didn't include Radiohead in any of mine either because they kind of experimented with different things on every song. Yeah. So for them, like, having something unusual was kind of normal in a, in a weird way. Yeah. Like if you have it on every song, so some that I chose are ones that are like, that are, it's on every song, but it's weird just because like, uh, so 
Jethro Tull's locomotive breath. Yeah. Jethro Tull has a flute player. Yeah. What the fuck is that? I know. It's like, like yellow card it's, with the violin. Yeah, it's like it's absolutely insane. Or I also have um Birds of Fire by the Mahavishnu Orchestra, where they had a guitar, drums, bass, and violin. Mm-hmm. And generally the violin plays syncopated with the guitar. That's kind of a nuts thing, but you just don't hear it very often. Yeah. Um so also B side I have uh, I have what's it called? I have uh The Creek by Bonnie Vare. Now, mm. it is a vocoder, and so that's not that interesting. I just thought it was interesting because he, he made it himself, and that's like a oh, crazy... Oh, I didn't know that. Like, he, like, basically built the thing in his cabin where he went and recorded the song. So I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of cool, and, like, it's not something you hear a lot, and on uh-huh. that song, I thought it was, like, really cool and prominent because it's the only instrument. Yeah, that is there, there is no drums. There is no anything else. It's just that. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Dave, what do you got up for us at B-Sides? Uh, I actually had a ton this week. So oh, sure. uh, one is a song called Memphis by a band Kitten, who in the chorus uses the AOL dial-up sound, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, the Love Cats by The Cure. I forget the name of the instrument, but um, he wrote that song when he was drunk. He said, it's not my favorite Cure song. I wrote it drunk, filmed the video drunk, and made the or recorded it drunk. Like, so... <laughs> Definitely not the most Cure Cure song. It's the um, most Robert Smith thing I've ever But that's heard the most that. Robert Smith response to something. Um, Don't Come Around Here No More. Uh, Tom Petty had a lot of weird instruments in it. And also that song is about Stevie Nicks, uh, oh, which wow. I didn't know before. He didn't write it. The guy who wrote it um, slept with her one night, and then she kicked him out of the house, and he thought there was more to it. And he was just like, uh, He was this like is... in love with her, and she was like, Yeah, nope. and she was just like, nope, don't come around here no more, basically. Nope. So... That's pretty funny. Um, you have to get out of here. That guy's coming to blow cocaine in my butthole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about that with my boss the other day. I was like, if there's one thing I know about Fleetwood Mac, it's that fact. Yeah. It's the oh, only yeah. one I know. Yeah. Uh, rumors, Dan. Um, Dancing in the Street by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Uh, the court or the drum snare hit is actually a crowbar hitting a concrete floor. In addition oh. to um, the actual drum sound, but they they just felt like it needed more. Breakfast in America by Supertramp had a lot of different things in it. Uh, Where do you go to, my lovely? And the song that like just barely missed, the couple across the way by Fontaine's DC. Both use accordion, which are um, you know not the craziest instrument. I mean, people have them. Um, we talked about the Beach Boys. Good Vibrations uses a theremin in the chorus. Uh, Rasputin. The song by Boney M uses like a three-stringed Russian guitar type thing. Okay. Um, just, I, had, I had a few that were like those sort of modified guitar mandolins. Yeah. That I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to like put this in. Same, you know I mean? yeah. Um, and then, like, it looks weird because it's a triangle and what's up with that. But yeah. like, other than that, you're like, ah, it's kind of a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, you, just, you think he did like glass and just like put water in glasses and like did the yeah yeah the thing around it with your hand and made sounds, um, and then you can call me out by Paul Simon has the like pan flute solo in it, um, but that was kind of the whole album was him experimenting. Yeah, the idea was to use those sort of like South Africa. He was spent the time the in South, South Africa instrumentation with the and with the uh, right not choir. What's it called with the the orchestra? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a great album, uh, one of the best of all time, but. It, the whole point of it was to be those types of instruments. So I, I felt like I wanted to, you know, that one's kind of obvious. Um, 
So that's why it didn't make the, the final cut for me. All right, Dan. Um, with that, why don't we kick it over to your number five pick? So for me, it comes to us from the ripe old age of 2004. This is my number five pick is Duality by Slipknot. Um, <laughs> I loved this band when I was in middle school. Uh, they were probably my fav- my first real love of heavy music came from this band and they've morphed over the years and changed and this is like probably their most popular song i would say as it had like radio crossover and stuff like that the chorus is super catchy but the main reason it's here is because they hit a keg with a baseball bat in the chorus of the song um and it's it's just it's such a problem from the video and everything because it's just the most ridiculous thing you could do. Yeah, they also had three drummers, so like, yeah, you would think that there'd be enough real drums to play. Yeah, a drum, a percussionist, and a guy that hits a keg with a bat. Yeah, um, and it's incredible. Uh, so the story with this video too, if you haven't seen it, this comes off of their album Volume Three, the Subliminal Verses, uh, as I said from 2004, and this was they shot a video for this. A fan reached out to them and said that they were having their house renovated. So they could shoot a video in their house as long as they didn't like destroy the place and left everything fine. And they proceeded to absolutely decimate this fucking house during the video. You see people breaking through walls, floors caving in from the like top floor. It was they absolutely decimated this guy's house and allegedly sued the shit out of Roadrunner Records and were just like you were just you were just supposed to shoot a video and they said slipknot said the issue was they sent an open open invite to their fans part of the video and they said our fans were cool it was everyone else that also came that heard like oh there's gonna be a party at this house and we're gonna fuck stuff up for this metal video and they showed up and destroyed these people's house but though i don't usually go in for slipknot much anymore i still think this song's great man it's a it's it's you know it's it's a bit butt rocky, but I really dig it. It's catchy. I'll never not like this song, and I'll never not want to hit a beer keg with a base with an aluminum baseball bat. Yeah, I mean who doesn't? Um, it's just it's just such a funny. Once you see the video and you see what that sounds coming from, you're like, like you hear it every time it hits. Dun dun cat. You're like Jesus Christ. So I had to put this in. Uh, my early little. Little, uh, you know, Junko jeans, Slipknot oh, mall, mall hanging self. This is a hot topic had to, song. For had sure. to throw this on the list. Oh, yeah. dude, yeah. Big time hot topic. This is a big time. This is the number That's one song played by the guy that's at the gas station. Like, this is <laughs> this is that song. Yeah. Uh, so, with that, Dave, what do you got up for us for your fifth pick for Song with Weird Instrument? All right. Up at number five for me is Before the Water Gets Too High by Parquet Courts. Um, this is in here because the entire song uses what is called an omnichord. That's the instrument you hear most prevalently um, at this part in the song and what you will hear for the entire thing. Uh, This is a really kind of different instrument. It's kind of small. I mean, it sits on your lap. It just looks like buttons. Um, it kind of looks like a sequencer, but it makes like, but it's like an, a harp at the same yeah. time. It's kind of, it's really interesting. Um, and uh, it's actually been used uh, 
quite a bit in music. Um, I'm not sure that this is why the album's titled Omni, uh, but on the Omni album by Minus the Bear, they used it a few times. Yeah. Um, they uh, Love is a Stranger by the Arrhythmics, and um, Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz also uses it. I think the Gorillaz uses it quite a few times, actually. It's not, like, super uncommon, but it's definitely not common at all. I mean, there's probably, like, on its Wikipedia page, there's eight instances of it being used Especially in not music. a ton of it in, like, post-punk new wave bands. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just, it just feels like one of those songs that was written, like, by him, like, on an airplane. You know what I mean? Um, which um, isn't isn't the the case um but uh but it's still still really instrument interesting instrument regardless parquet course i think is like a i actually think they might be one of the most appropriately rated bands in music right now like there's a lot of people that really love them and a lot of people that are just kind of like okay yeah they're there um and i don't know why i always thought they were from texas but they're from brooklyn okay yeah i don't know why it just felt like a weird like texas austin kind of band to me but it's the Bro- thought, it's Brooklyn, which is the same. thought they were from Satellite Brooklyn. Yeah, ex- I thought they were from Brooklyn Light, but <laughs> new, turns out they're just from regular Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Um, from old Brooklyn. Yeah, and I, I like this band, I think, a fair amount, but, like, sometimes I feel like it can be a little bit too much of itself. I don't know. It, like, some sometimes I, I just, like, oh, like, that's a very monotone song again. Like... I get you. I, 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 but I do like them, and I like this song. Um... It always, I mean, the, the instrument always stood out to me right away from the, the band. But I think this is one of those songs, too, where lyrically it's a it's kind of like, a, you know, doom and gloom. And the, this is, you're thinking that he's talking about how, like, the world could end. And I think that that fits his vocals and the style of this, the band perfectly. So that's why this one's always been one of my favorites of theirs. Because, like, not a, every song can be, you can't enjoy a million songs about the world endings. Yeah. By a band, I guess, is the best way I'm trying to explain that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, the uh, the instrument was invented in 1981 by Suzuki Musical. Um, and it's it was meant to be as, as simple as, as it could be to kind of play. You know, I've, everyone's seen a harp. That is not an easy thing to play. Yeah. So they tried to make an electronic version that could simplify some of the effects. Um, and you can actually play it with a slide, too, I believe, which is kind of interesting. That's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is Parquet Courts. I think for the most part, people are aware of who they are at this point. But, uh, you know, if not, check them out. And this song uh, specifically is very good. All right, Dan, why don't you take us over to your number four pick? All right, number four for me comes to us from, I guess technically it comes to us from England, but I think it comes to us from the way of Hyrule. Um, this is the song Wild Thing. Now, this is also a cover song, so we'll preface that. Uh, the song's written by Chip Taylor, who I do not know, but um, it is popularized by the Trogs, who this version is. Um, released in 66, it's widely considered one of those big proto-punk kind of songs, garage rock, yeah. like, you know, where it's just it's just four chords over and over again. Uh, you know, the like everybody knows the words to this song. You know, I mean, probably mostly because of Major League, but outside of that, it's it's just a perfect song, man. And the solo in here, why I say that this song comes to us from Hyrule, is that this song features a solo by an ocarina. 
which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, unless you're trying to turn back time or open certain gates or change it from daytime to nighttime. I don't understand why you would have an ocarina. Um, of course, I'm making Zelda references. If you don't know that, then we can never be friends. Nope. But this is a strange little handheld flute that was... I can't think of any time I've seen it not in relation to Zelda. I, my neighbor has one. Is he big on Zelda? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but also big on weird instruments. Um, gotcha. Yeah. He has a very large collection of different instruments and traditional ones. But yeah, he's he's got a lot of cool shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, it almost sounds like... The way I'd relate in Ocarina is like when you meet the people that can do like the hand whistle thing... Where they, like, blow into their palms. I can't whistle in any capacity. Yeah, I'm also a whistleless man. Yeah. It I, makes me sad. I don't have an inferiority complex about it. Right no, now. I've never once thought about it and felt like I was less of a man for it. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> My dad has, but I haven't. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, this song, I, always, I grew up loving the Joan Jett version of the song. Yeah. From Major League. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when Ricky Vaughn, give me Vaughn. Yeah. Gotta feel these dudes. Just a bit outside. <laughs> yeah. And he lets another one go right by. I love when, when they, like, read the lineup at the beginning, and he's like, this guy hasn't played in years. This guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> great movie. Ricky Vaughn, all-time great character. character. Yeah, dude. Willie like, Mays Hayes. The haircut, the glasses with the yeah. skull and crossbones on oh, them. Oh, dude, so good. That's like, the best baseball movie. It's def- It's 100% best baseball movie. Yeah. It might be up there for best sports movie. It's great, man. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so, all right, with that, Dave, what do you got up for us for number four? All right, up at number four for me is Whenever, Wherever by Shakira. Just like Dan and... Jazz and heavy stuff. You know you're not getting out of a list without a female pop star. And here it and is. Here, they here are. it is. So uh, the star of this one is the Andean um, Andean pan flute, which um, are not, not to be confused with the Peruvian pan flute. Correct. Um, that was from South Park, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So uh, it's traditionally used in Arabic music, uh, but uh, Shakira was a big fan of it and. The song itself is about traveling to around the world, essentially, just to be with somebody. So it makes sense to have like a worldly sounding song Um, and a pretty damn good one at that. Uh, It has one of the probably not super rare distinctions, but I think it's probably a pretty small group of songs that have been performed both on Saturday Night Live and during the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. So uh, that's that's a pretty cool fact. Um, So this is from her first album that was done in English. Uh, okay. This is the first time she learned English or spoke English. Um, and she co-wrote this song with Gloria Estefan, who is another... Fuck, yeah, dude. First of all, two absolute powerhouses in Latin music and crossover to American audiences, too. And I think that Gloria Estefan was kind of helping her make that transition into the... Uh, helping her navigate that... Navigate that, the, that the scary waters of the American fan bases and the, the all-powerful United States tour um, which you know is it's awesome I mean Shakira is one of the biggest pop stars in the world um, yeah. so it's it's awesome that she did come come here and and you know is is part of our musical yeah, world dominated too. this music yeah too. yeah I mean like we would definitely not be you know she was she, one of the biggest pop stars for the last 20 years I would say yeah 
Um, I don't know if you know this, but her hips always tell the truth. No, they they do not lie. Mm-hmm. They do not lie. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just just one of the most amazing early 2000s pop songs you could ever listen to and I love I've always I've always known that sound but like never really thought about it until we started doing this list and I was like oh yeah that is not a normal instrument at yeah. all and I think it's always fun to do the Shakira like <laughs> oh of course like the... yeah she does she has like her own version of yodeling almost yeah, yeah. yeah right yeah it's like it's kind of a yodel but it's but it's it's spicier yeah yeah, you're not thinking lederhosen, you're yeah. thinking... A sexy yodel. You're thinking like like a rumba. Yeah. Or a... Oh, I almost said rhombus, which is... Which is <laughs> a, <laughs> thinking of a rhombus. Yeah, not the same thing. Um, yeah, so it's just a, a great, great track. It just has every... If you, if you close your eyes and listen to this, you can literally picture yourself in middle school uh, when this came out and, you know, wearing really baggy clothes. And uh, just love and life. You know, simpler times, Dan. Simple times. Yeah. All right. What do you have up for us with your number three pick? So number three for me starts, opens the song immediately with a big fat didgeridoo, which is, comes to us from 1997 from the album Science by Incubus. The song is called Redefine. And it is... Uh, certified gold by the RIA. This was the second Incubus record, but I think often this is kind of the first Incubus record. I think most people would consider like, it to be. Fungus Among Us was like borderline nonsense, where it was a lot of, you know, just weird things put together. This is much more of the the earliest era of like the rap rock fusion. Yeah. Where it was, you know, it's almost Red Hot Chili Peppers spoken wordy. Um, but I think some people may disagree, but I think this guy is a much better singer than Anthony Kiedis was And this, not whether you prefer one or the other, but I think his command of his voice is stronger. Gotcha. Thank okay. Kiedis. Um, so he's Brandon Boyd. Yeah. Uh, they were, he does have I, a great voice. I, don't, I, I, don't I love this band. And like when you hear later songs and slower stuff, you can really hear he's really like, I always joke about how now. Like, you know, I was like, rock music now, like, they don't have great singers anymore. Like, it's become no. less of a focus of the music where, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But, like, there used to be more known, like, singers. Yeah. But I guess it's gone to, like, pop music where... It has. It's because rock music doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's because there is no rock music. Or if there is, it's very... It's butt rock. It's subtle, understated. Or, you know, it's like, it's the Arctic Monkeys where you're like... I don't think anybody would hear this band and be like, oh, this dude's an incredible voice singer. Yeah. It's like he's he's good enough that he's in key and, you know, it's fine, but, like, there's no not the focus acrobatics the happening or yeah, anything it's not, like it's that. It's not, not the focus of yeah. what he's doing. Nobody's doing the uh, the fills. You know what I mean? The whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, nobody's, nobody's pulling shares out there. Yeah. Or um, Mariah Carey. Sadly. Yeah, or, like, Christina Aguilera stuff. We're like, But, anyway... Uh, this song, it also has features like a lot of like uh, Dijembe drum too, which is also kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this band just did a lot of the kind of stuff that crusty hippies that hang out and have 10 dogs do. I think that was maybe my issue with it or with oh, them. Oh, very much. This yeah. is this is a band that is 
very adept to white dreads. Like, I feel like um, the crossover between this band and people who listen to Jack Johnson was too close. Oh, very much. This band and that, that's always why. tour with, uh, you know, they would always tour with 311 and with yeah. Sublime. All bands Sublime with Rome. you will not hear me listening yeah, to. Like, they ever. were very, very white dreads band, but I loved Incubus, man. I liked them the most out um, of all of those bands. I but, think their their guitar tones and the the mixing they would get for their records was like unparalleled. Like the the production they had, especially for a band even this early. But you know, at this point, you're like, dude, you're like rap rocking and there's like DJ scratching, but it yeah. like it sounds good. Like even if you hate this music, you're like, this record's done well. Like yeah. this isn't a joke. Yeah. So I actually all also had in my B sides, but I didn't. Uh, didn't say it because I wanted to talk about it now. Aqueous Transmission from Morning View. Yeah. That's another one. I think the instrument's called a pippa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another weird one. It sounds like very Asian, yeah. like oriental and I had to, instrument. I, the yeah. reason I didn't pick that is because it's it's a mostly instrumental track. Yeah. But I was like, ah, you know, like, I, yeah. and I, I don't know. I felt like this would, I know this song better than that. But that's I think Morning View is the most slept on of their catalog. In the sense of everybody's like, oh, Make Yourself was like the record I remember really yeah. big. And it had the big hits, Pardon Me and Drive. Mm-hmm. And, but I was like, no, dude. Like, And Morning I remember me and Jared Birdseye, if I could drop a name. Uh, I forgot. I didn't really if know. If he ever listens to this, I don't know if he will. But I haven't heard that name I remember in years. when Morning View came out and a bunch of people were hating on it. And I, was, I had a shirt on. And Jared Birdseye came up to me and was like, dude. I love that new record. Everyone says it sucks and they're dumb. I was like, they are dumb. We agree. And I still remember that. Just a couple of cool guys. Just a couple of cool guys. Yeah. Just guys being dudes. Uh, so, yeah, Dave, what do you got up for us at number four? All right. Number three. Number three for me is Pocket Calculator by Kraftwerk. Now, this is definitely like the, the most borderline, I think, song in my list because well, it is mostly instrumental, as most Kraftwerk songs are. It's got a lot of weird stuff, like most Kraftwerk songs do. Um, but it's just, it's the the first time that it's like not a traditional instrument being used in my list. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons why it, it's so high up here. Um, so they, there's a couple things in here that that are different. There's a something called a Bee Gees Rhythm Machine that Mattel made after the movie Saturday Night Fever came out. Um, and it was a little battery-powered keyboard with the Bee Gees logo on it. The Bee Gees never used it to record anything ever because it was basically just a toy. But it's featured in this song, which is hilarious. Um, but also, the main weird one on here is the Casio FX501P calculator is actually used for different points of this song, as of course Kraftwerk did, because they just, if a new computer came out, they somehow found a way to have it make music at that, this point in history. Yeah. Um, but it's just used so much in the song, and so, I just wanted to talk about, because I don't think I've talked about them at any point in any in any podcast no. so far. And the they're first, like... The cutting edge. Yeah, and for a bit... Started Krautrock. Krautrock. Almost yeah. started industrial, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the they whole- start... like. Electronic music doesn't exist without Kraftwerk. Like, those dudes were the first people using vocoders, synths. Like, they they had a whole stage full of shit that probably weighed hundreds of pounds. They had to lug around Europe at that point, like, just to do what they did. And and they were 
legendary. I mean, so much music, especially we were just talking about how, like, what music is now. It's all electronic. It's all done with computerized instruments for the most part. Yeah. And that that all started with these guys. Um, so, um, the, apparently, the, this actual calculator weighed, like, a shit ton, too. So, it was, like, really, like, difficult for them to, like, actually... Um, actually lug around for different places and then it wasn't until a few years later when um texas instruments actually made like a more reasonable calculator that was 150 dollars and two and a half pounds which is still outrageous two and a half pounds (laughs) you got to carry that around in your pocket that's insane yeah like that was considered to be like the smaller version of this walking around with like 12 iphones yeah or like (laughs) Like it's like or like an old cordless phone yeah, like those eighty, like the Zach Morris kind of like thick brick yeah, yeah. that I'm doesn't to think sound. Of like things in your daily life that are like two and a half pounds is just nuts. It's like <laughs> I could think. Of it's like you know no, carrying around like a like one of those giant sixty four packs of batteries. Yeah, <laughs> like you're D's. just carrying yeah. with you. Yeah, that's like what the fuck, dude. Yeah, um, I love too that they would just be like, oh, they're like the BGs are the you know, one of the most popular bands in the world at this point. And, and there's a toy that makes music that they came out with. So obviously we're going to have to fuck with this and make a song out of it. Like, yeah. It's just amazing. Like they, they were doing so much cool it's like, shit. It's like me being a world renowned chef and being like, Oh, Guy Fieri just put out a new slap and chop. I'm going to build my yeah, menu. Around exactly. This. Yeah. That's, I'm building a dish around like, this. All right. First of all, like we're not talking shit on Guy Fieri. He's no, the man and probably great. the nicest person on earth. But at so the, the same BGs. time, great. Yeah, Not exactly. Shit. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. But yeah. Like them making a device that I can make music out of is hilarious. Yeah. 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 Um, and like, you know, I think the like one of the vocoders that they have is like one of the main pieces of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like they're 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 a legendary band that a lot of people don't really still give credit to. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, there'd be no there'd be no you would have never heard of Daft Punk without Kraftwerk. No, uh, who just put out a single this past week? By the I way, did hear that, which is pretty wild. It's it's like an unreleased uh, from, it's an unreleased track that had vocals and has the guy like talking in the studio who does the vocals, um, for when they did Discovery like way back in the day, which is kind of cool. I like that they're you know putting stuff like that out after all these years. Um, so this album, Computer World, is my favorite of theirs, um, of Kraftwerk. It's got a lot of really good tracks, a lot of goofier sounding stuff like this one. Uh, what's the one called? Personal Computer or something like that is a little silly. Um, but it's just, it's a legendary album by a legendary group that, like, even now, I think still they don't get the credit that they deserve. Not enough people listen to them. I know it can be a little silly, um, but trust me, these are very serious, stern German men performing this music. Yes, this is not joke. Yeah, they they didn't mess around. Uh, none of this was funny to them, uh, or maybe it was. I don't know. Give us some money, Lebowski. <laughs> they're called Autobahn. Yeah. That's the name of their yeah, that, yeah. So that they looked like Kraftwerk. Like yeah, which was a, it's a Kraftwerk song. Yeah. Um. All right, cool. So Dan, why don't you take us over to your number two pick? All right, number two for me is probably probably the most. I mean, Wild Thing's pretty big, but probably the most recognizable song on this playlist. If you're a if you're, you know, certainly to your dad, um, or if you're like Big a classic song. rock guy, uh, yeah. huge charting song, Crosstown Traffic by Jimi Hendrix. Um, this is one of the few records off of Electric Ladyland, released in 68, uh, that features the full band of the Jimi Hendrix experience. 
Um, a lot of the stuff on that record didn't have the whole Jimi Hendrix experience playing on certain tracks. So this is one of the few that has everybody, that has Jimmy, has Noel Redding, and has Mitch Mitchell. Which, obviously, Mitch Mitchell is one of the greatest names in rock and roll history. Oh, my God, yeah. What the fuck is that? It's like being named Mike Michelson. Like, yeah. What is going That's the on? British version, I think, of Mitch Mitchell. <laughs> yes, it's Mike Michelson. <laughs> um, so, this song, the big thing is playing along with Jimmy's guitar is a kazoo. Funniest part about this kazoo is it wasn't even a real kazoo. It was one that Jimi Hendrix made out of a comb and tissue paper. So a handmade kazoo that he strapped to his face. I'm guessing like you would see Bob Dylan with the harmonica and just had it on his face and plays along to it. That this is the first song I remember hearing, even as a youngster, being like, what is that? Like, what's making that sound? And the answer is kazoo, which is just when have you even put a hand on one after an eighth birthday party? Like, that's the last time you've ever even come into contact with a kazoo it yeah probably and just the fact that he was like nope i'm gonna put this on my song is amazing man uh jimmy hendrix i mean the legend can't be overstated the man is probably the greatest guitar player of all time yeah this is i would say this is probably his magnum opus electric lady land is in my opinion his greatest record yeah um this is i agree it's him firing at all cylinders at his most creative um, when he actually had a lot of money behind him, so he just kind of got carte blanche with the studio in New York City, and he was able to produce, I mean, all along the Watchtowers on here, man. Yeah, that, uh, which is my favorite of his. Yeah, this song is released, this was the second single, and was described as Billboard <laughs> as a pulsating swinger, which I feel like is just the sexiest description you could give to a song. That's like... Uh, it's like a romance novel like and then his like his steely velvet velvety steel where you're like jesus christ man yeah <laughs> a pulsating swinger but anyway that is such a great term <laughs> with that dave maybe that's what we should title this episode <laughs> actually change my name to that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah call me that mantis um so with that what is up for you at number two all right up at number two for me is crystalline by bjork um this I believe is the only song on my list that features an instrument that the artist made up themselves, um, which is pretty cool and probably why it's so high up on my list. Another artist like Kraftwerk, who you're not like necessarily think you know, you're used to s- unusual things and sounds with Bjork. I mean, that's kind of her her thing yeah, and it's been her mo her, her whole career. But she, I don't think enough people casually listen to her so i still like to talk about it because it's it's very i'm a huge fan of her always have been and this song is just it's wild so this the instrument that is featured on here is called a gamalest um and bjork developed it for this album biophilia which came out in 2011 and um it is a combination of a piano like instrument called a celeste and a gamelan which is something, according to what I'm reading here, is the name for an Indonesian musical ensemble. Um, And the instrument was made by somebody in the UK named Matt Nolan and an organ maker in Iceland named Bjorgvin Thomason for her, for for this album, which is just, I mean, 
If you make up your own instrument, it's going to be on the list of unusual instruments. Nobody yeah. else is playing one of these because nobody else has one of these because nobody else thinks the way that Bjork does. Bjork, I hollowed out a television and I entered strings that I hit with but this Probably. Ball. I hit strings with this rock. Why does she talk like uh, like Little Nicky? Dude, that's how she talks. I've like, heard her. First, little Nicky does not have a, Nor uh, a Nordic accent, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Bjork has that, like, she has... That li like they have. That's how they. That's how their words are. The though. wish. Yeah. That hits. But yeah. Th yeah, because that that that's how the language sounds. Yeah. Like there's a little bit more of that than people I think. Give it's like certain to. languages that don't have yeah. like an L sound. You know what I mean? That like, that's just part of it. Yeah, like I or think the... Thor for them is like Thir. Yeah. Or, I think it's got or, the, uh... the little at, at the end of it. <laughs> or like uh. Thir. What's it called? The, I like doing that. It's fun. Like the Bath area of Spain, where they they speak with the lift. Oh yeah, like Ibiza. Ibiza, yeah, yeah. yeah like I'm not falling for that. Um, also, uh, this album, um, when it was released, it was done in collaboration with Apple, and you could actually download an app that would allow you to create music that sounded like the album and your own video along with it too. Damn. It was the first time that, that anybody had ever done like an app in conjunction with an album, See, which is pretty cool. That's what you too should have tried to do instead of instead just, of just forcing it down our throats. Instead of just their assaulting everyone. Yeah, I mean we were all essentially, phone. you know, assaulted. Yeah. By you too. We, I was. I, I was assaulted. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want your, I didn't want music. I didn't ask for. Yeah, I've never wanted a U2 album in my life. Yeah, me neither. Maybe like well, a song or two here and there, but that's about it. Um, there's a obviously a interesting music video <laughs> for this song too. Uh, it's Bjork, uh, and it was uh, directed by Michelle Gondry, who, if you know who he is, it's no surprise that there's a weird video to go along with it too. That dude makes very weird shit. I mean, very famous for his music videos, but he's also directed feature films too. He did uh, um, The Science of Sleep. Oh, and shit. Um, um, the one with Jack Black and Most Deaf. Oh, Be Kind, oh, Be Kind Rewind. Rewind was him too, I, I think. I love that movie, Yeah, man. it's great. That's that one's too, really that, good. That scene when Jack Black decides he's going to play uh, Fats Waller. Yeah. And like comes out and everybody's just like, is just super, they're, they're like, they're doing Judge Dredd and Robocop. Yeah. Like, I also know Robot Karate. <laughs> I love that movie. It is really good, and definitely my favorite of his. Very, and very wholesome, you know yeah. what I mean, and like mm -hmm. adorable. It was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, the other interesting thing about this is that the instrument, the gamelan, is uh, or gamelest, excuse me. It combines cymbals and the piano, basically. So that's why it kind of sounds like tinny, I guess, yeah. a little bit. Um, and the the person from the UK who I was discussing. Um, Matt Nolan, he is a cymbalsmith, so he makes and designs cymbals as a, for a living. So it was an uh, somebody who d makes organs in Iceland and somebody who makes cymbals in the UK to combine for this in instrument. And then I love how it just turns into like a drum and bass like techno song at the end because yeah. it's fucking Bjork and it's like it's Hattie. like uh, it's like refused. Yeah, <laughs> like new noise. Like yeah, yeah, that, like, it yeah. is. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're like, what is this sample at the end of this? And I believe this is the Amen Break, if I'm not mistaken, once again being used, uh, which was my number one sample in a previous episode. All right, Dan. The previous life. In a, yeah, in a previous <laughs> iteration of the podcast, which was just before the baby. All right, Dan, take us over to your number one pick. This one is unbelievable. Number one, I couldn't. This is the song I thought of when we started this. 
Um, this is the song that came to mind that I was like, if we're doing this, this is the song I'm picking. This comes to us an odd glam metal hard rock song from 1992. So a bit late for that genre. Yeah, a little bit. This comes to us from a band called Jackal off of a record called Jackal, their debut album. Bad Company. Yeah, Bad Co. style. <laughs> uh, the song is called The Lumberjack. And it features, as you can hear at the beginning of the song, it features a chainsaw. However, don't sleep on this because right around the minute 30 mark, you will hear a fucking guitar solo played by this chainsaw. And it's not dumb and it's not out of key. It is outstanding. I don't know how they did it. And I'm horrified, amused, and impressed all at the same time. Um, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, it's This is actually wild shit. The band has so many great music videos you can find on YouTube. The song for this, they're in like a wooden shack in the woods. Of course. Like a lumber shack. Of course. They have another song called I Stand Alone that they perform um, in front of a Kmart. That was a protest to the store refusing to sell their albums. So they perform in front of a Kmart, which is amazing. Uh, but the other interesting thing about this band that many people may not know. Oh, here is the guitar solo. I mean, it's incredible, man. Dude, like, just wild. It's wild a chainsaw, shit. dude. Like, this is insane. Uh, this is like something you'd see at like a county fair and be like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. This is 100% the band from Roadhouse. Yeah. Like, that's what this was, is. Was Jeff Healy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> play pretty good for a blind kid. Yeah, and I thought you'd be taller. Yep. Um, Great. Amazing. One of just the most amazing lines in that movie. That's just pure perfection. But so this band, uh, interesting thing about them is that they hold two Guinness Book of World Records records. One for playing 100 concerts in 50 days. And a second for playing 21 concerts in a 24-hour period. Now, I don't know exactly how you do that, but they managed to somehow do it. That's amazing. Um, I don't know if it would just how be you, like... How do you have enough fuel and and oil for the chainsaw? Yeah, I don't know. They couldn't have had the, full, the chainsaw solo at every one of those, uh, but it's nuts. Um, but long live chainsaw solos. This band's great. It's just absolutely ridiculous, and I had to have this. It has to be my number one. Uh, so with that, Dave, what do you got up for us at number one? All right. Up at number one for me is Spoon Man by Soundgarden, famous for its use of forks. Um, <laughs> this is this is by far my favorite of all the songs on my list, which is why it's number one. Um, not the craziest thing for spoons. I mean, everybody probably used spoons as a kid to try to make sounds and do different things. And as soon it, as you saw a video of somebody playing spoons, you were like, "I just hold them between my fingers." Yeah. Like this. Oh yeah. Like it was like it's using chopsticks. Like oh, I can figure this out in five seconds. Yeah. Um, and of course, none of us ever did. Yeah. It takes yeah. a lifetime to master. Yeah. Um, you have to be born with it, I think. Actually. Um, Wait, can you not use chopsticks? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I'm like, a, I was like, hold on, hold I'm on. I'm saying people yeah. thought it would be as easy yeah. to pick up. I was as like, like, at like, 10, I could. But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 
You ever meet somebody that like still can't do it? It's funny. Yeah, I, I find I, it really funny. Yeah, I don't eat dinner with those people yeah, ever I'm just again. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like he's figured it. That's weird. Yeah, figured it. Um, Get it together. Yeah. So the song uh, is named after a guy named Artist the Spoon Man, who was just like a street performer in Seattle, um, and that's where Soundgarden's from, along with every other grunge band. Um, and Artis is actually the one playing Spoons on the song, which is pretty cool. So they included him in it. Yeah, got him um, some money. Yeah. Well, not a ton. Um, okay. He's also in the video. So Just wait. Yeah. So uh, in an interview in 2013, he claims that he was given a flat fee of $1,000 for performing on the song and $7,000 additionally to appear in the video. Um not a whole lot of money for a song that probably sold millions of records and won the Grammy but, for yeah, best metal album that's, that's or best metal it, performance in 95. That's how it goes when you're a studio musician, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, I think that's a loose... Uh, yeah, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're a, you know... Yeah, they're not going to... If you're a form. journeyman, you don't get royalties, man. That's yeah. not how it works. Yeah, no, for real. And I don't think that, that you know, you, you just... Nobody's out here just giving their money away. I don't yeah. think, for the most part. Um, so, um... There's um, obviously the song probably changed this guy's life. Being in the videos too. I mean, being a street performer and then being featured in one of the biggest bands of the time's video is like a pretty big jump in. Yeah, like, you would have to get a bigger hat for all the money you make. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so uh, apparently, Chris Cornell had not yet actually met this guy before he wrote the song, um, but obviously did afterwards when they were doing everything. Um, he. Um, did get very famous after the song came out, but actually performed um, as early as 1981 with Frank Zappa um, in other uh, things. So another guy who's very famous for doing weird things and using weird yeah, instruments. Dude. A um, famous spooner, eh? Yeah, so he, he got around, man. He was a legend in the spoon circuit. And, him, um, him and Spooner Oldham. Yeah, yeah. That's it. What was he? Was that Muscle Shoals? Is that where that guy was yeah. from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. I remember seeing it in the documentary. Um, the uh, so the title was uh, of the guy I believe came. It says here uh, Jeff Ament, the bass player from Pearl Jam, came up with the uh, with the title of Spoon Man for this guy, um, along with apparently Eddie Vedder and Lane Staley, a who very, were also a very clever name for the yeah, guy playing for the spoons. guy for the, for the man playing spoons. Yeah. Um, These poets of lore. Yeah. Um, I shall dump these. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Yeah. I just this is the this is my favorite. It's the most enjoyable track out of all yeah. of these. I mean, they're not all going to be like songs you listen to hundreds of thousands of times in your life because some yeah. of these instruments are a little. They can be a little, you know, sharp to the ears. Like there's yeah. a reason why that you know most or a bands, little goofy. Yeah, some of it's a little silly, some of it's a little abrasive. This um, song also, this is a big, uh, this is a big drop D tune. When you first learn drop D? D tuning, well, it's definitely lower, but this is yeah. the first, one of the first big riffs that, like, when you learn how to put your guitar in drop D, you were like, oh yeah, you're like, I think though they play more often in like C, like C sharp, C sharp, I think, yeah, from what I remember. Which is not a tuning that I'm in very often, so I don't play their songs very often. I I like a C sharp standard tuning. Interesting. Uh, if I if I'm going low, it's low, but it's not too low. It's pretty, still pretty low. It's pretty low. It's pretty low. You're almost at in flames territory there. It's true. I, I think they're C standard. Yeah, C standard. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's enough nerd talk about tunings. Um, cool. So yeah, this was a fun one. I like doing these episodes where it's not 
like painfully obvious which songs are out there to choose from and you have to dig a little bit deeper so it gets you kind of listening to different things and thinking of music again in a different way that you know you're, you're not traditionally thinking of it it's not your two guitars a drum and bass and vocalist it's you know something much different now, a lot of times these bands were that they just added something cool to spice it up everybody needs a little bit of spice in their life you know you gotta sprinkle a little uh, s- saffron in there hey, every boy, once in a while yeah Feel the world. Spice up ah. life. My voice isn't fully back yet, but uh, yeah, and, and for, nice callback to the uh, positivity episode. Yeah, there. man. Um, cool. So yeah, this was a good one. Hopefully, you enjoyed the selections, and and maybe you have songs that we've never heard that feature something weird. You know, we'd love to hear about them and see what kind of crazy shit we can do in my garage later to try to make a record like chainsaws and <laughs> we got power drills and we got power tools. Yeah. Um. Yeah, <laughs> just bags of dirt. We're just we're just lobbing dirt in the air. Um, cool. So yeah, uh, like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so you're kept up to date on the new episodes when they're released. Um, and don't forget to follow us on social media and interact with us and let us know what you think of the episode and what songs you would have chosen instead. Dan, tell everyone where they can find us. All right, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D and D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at, at LukewarmSteveAustin on Instagram and D.